This is Framed, a podcast where a group of friends get together once a week to talk about movies, what we liked about them, what we didn't like, and how they're made. I'm Elliot. And I'm Robert. Robert and I spend a few minutes talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, a classic Steven Spielberg action film that introduced the world to Indiana Jones. So, Raiders. It's Raiders week. It is. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, good night, folks. <laughs> okay, that was it. <laughs> well, what to say? Let's do the plot synopsis. Okay. Uh, I did the synopsis last time, so why don't you summarize the the yeah. sundry adventures of our, our man, Indiana Jones? So this is a movie about a grave robber who... Uh, uh, seduces much younger women and uh, <laughs> gets uh, thrown in with a monkey and Nazis. And that's pretty much it. This is a good summary. Yeah, I thought it hit the uh, the main points. Um, <laughs> well, no. so I guess, like, uh, you know, infamously, this movie got started because... George Lucas and Steven Spielberg got together and said they wanted to make a tribute to the the old like <clears throat> weekly serial adventures that they watched growing up. Yeah, so so actually the birth of this was on uh the uh release date of uh Star Wars. Star Wars, yes, because George Lucas was was trying to avoid the yeah. He went to Hawaii. He right. He he said, "Yo, Steven Spielberg, come with me to Hawaii so that I'm not just watching the box office reports come in." Um, Mm -hmm. And supposedly they were building a sandcastle, and uh, George pitched the idea of. Indiana Smith. <laughs> yes. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue the same way. No, not not quite as good. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they originally didn't want to go with Harrison Ford, right? Like, they no. actually came around um, to him because George didn't want to have Harrison Ford be like, his oh, he's guy. my go-to guy. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yep. Um, it was originally going to be, uh, oh shoot, um, Tom Selleck, Mm. but they wouldn't let him out of Magnum is probably what he was doing at that point. Mm -hmm. He had some contract already in place that wouldn't release him for enough days to film the movie. Right. Directed by, uh, Spielberg... Uh, Lawrence Kasdan wrote it, uh, John Williams did the music, just, just a classic. Um, arguably one of the best films ever made. Yeah, Um, you know, I was, like, as much as I've seen this movie, I've, I've seen this movie countless times, and, like, I kind of came to it trying to, like, take the nostalgia glasses off and just watch it as a film. Yeah. And... Maybe this was my inability to do so, or maybe the movie is that good. But I came away from this feeling like, yeah, this really is, like, one of the greats. Like, one of the best, certainly in American cinema, one of the best films of all time. Like, Saving Private Ryan last time, you know, that was, like, I think the way I described it was this is Spielberg at the height of his powers. But this is, like, another level above that in terms of just, like, a film with staying power. So... This is great. We'll, we'll talk about staying power a little bit more at the end, I'm sure, when we're talking about um, effects. Um, mm. But, like, right off the bat, full disclosure, I love this film. Um, oh, yeah. This is a yeah. great film. Um, so, with that being said, I'm going to spend the next hour trying to convince you, Elliot, and you, the listener at home, that this is actually a terrible movie. <laughs> I see. So we're going to do this like a debate class. Uh, yes. Um, because I think it'll be more fun and because I've come up with some good arguments. 
Okay. Well, so I haven't I haven't prepared anything on my end. I was just planning to gush for an hour. So right. This, so this you will can make things interesting. to gush. I will do my usual fun trivia facts about sandcastles and Hawaii, and also complain about plot things. All right. Um, though I will do less of that because I didn't take notes while I was watching it, and I watched it over a week ago. Well, so, so I, I was joking with you before recording this that. Like, I've seen this movie so many times that I probably could have gotten away with not watching this in preparation for recording and still be okay. Right. Just because it's like, it, certain, there's certain scenes that I, you know, could almost, like, recite verbatim. Oh, wow. Um, so let's, let's jump right in um, with... Well, let's start with the, the, the very first frame, even. Like, I want to nerd out for a second over the Paramount logo. Yeah. So yeah. you probably already know this since you you usually do your fun fact research going into this. <clears throat> but the Paramount logo they used for this was not the current Paramount logo at the time in 1981 when this came out. It was actually a vintage Paramount logo that they deliberately chose in order to clue people in that, hey, this film you're about to watch is meant to be old-fashioned and a throwback kind of movie. Oh, I didn't know that. And see, actually. I, I, I didn't know that either. I found that out. Thanks to, uh, Amazon's, um, X-ray Easter egg, whatever feature. Oh, that popped yeah. Up on I the actually watch movies to enjoy them. So I don't, <laughs> I don't pay attention well, to that stuff. <laughs> in my defense <laughs> that they, it's on by default and I turn it off. So in that, but because of, this is at the very beginning of the film, I saw it before I turned it off. Oh, okay. So that's that's what I should have done. Actually, as I should have just watched through with that on, and then yeah. just verbatim <laughs> recited that to people. Well, so I I thought that that was really interesting because it made me kind of watch this in a different light than I usually do. Because, I mean, you know, like on the surface, oh yeah, they made it as a throwback to you know the the classic serials of the '30s and '40s, but. I don't know, something about the fact they deliberately chose to use an old-fashioned title card, like, I don't know, it kind of felt like a Stranger Things kind of move, like, where yeah. it's like, we're going to use old stuff to make to put you in a certain frame of mind. And that, that context is kind of lost, because Indiana Jones itself has become such a staple. Of, right. It's, you don't look at it as like, oh, it, yeah, it's that movie that it was a throwback. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's its own throwback at this point. Right, right. Like, yeah, it's now it's its own reference point that people point back to. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done talking about the Paramount logo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm glad you did. I didn't know that. That's, that's cool. Um, so, yeah, the opening set piece... Like, I'll I'll throw shade at this movie as we go, out of love and respect for it, but I... I cannot fault this open... Like, what a great way to introduce <laughs> the story, the character, the the type of movie we're watching with, like, four words being said throughout the entire, you know, <laughs> ten-minute sequence or whatever. Are you sure you're it's taking just, the stance of the opposition here? I, I will after after the yeah. the the intro. No, I'm just giving um, you a hard time. But the this opening sequence where you start basically right on the whip, right? Like yeah, <clears throat> this isn't this isn't your typical man, and mm -hmm. then he's immediately stabbed in the back right mm -hmm. like before we don't know who he is we don't know who these other people are all we know is he's being betrayed he's a right. man that gets betrayed right and then um he disarms the guy and you know right there boom yes he knows how to handle himself he's this cool dude who then proceeds to fail for the rest of the film. <laughs> You're not wrong. Is this your, your first dig that I'm supposed to rebut? So my first dig at, uh, at this glorious film that I love is that, and this is not an original dig, but Indiana Jones is not needed in this movie at all. 
for the plot to function. If you remove Indiana Jones, the Nazis still get the Ark. They still open the Ark. The Ark still, spoiler alert, melts all their faces. <laughs> well, yeah. Nothing I mean, changes. Presumably he was the agent that got it back to America, though. It might not have fallen For it to into... be lost forever. Sure, but you wouldn't want it to, you know, end up in Hitler's office. But it wouldn't have ended up in Hitler's office. It would have been left on that island. On that island, yeah, in the middle because of the Because everyone dies. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I could think of other, like, nitpicks, like, at earlier points in the plot. Like, you could make the argument that they n- never would have found the Well of the Souls, like, even given all that digging. Like, he... Uh... Yes, they would have, because the only reason they didn't find it is because they didn't have the medallion, because he stopped them. If he wasn't there to stop them, they would have gotten the actual medallion from Marion. Oh, yeah. Come at me, bro. (laughs) He is not needed. But then the bad guys would have won. (laughs) No, they still would have lost. God would have still, what is it, ex machina? The machine from God will still come down and save the day. Um, yeah, I I think, I, the movie you're describing would be a lot less fun to watch. That's my answer. Well, for sure. (laughs) I, I, I think, yes, even if you have a character who's not, essential to the plot you 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 know it's like gosh i'm not prepared for this at all (laughs) (laughs) so my my counter argument to this is that indiana jones is a great example of something that shouldn't work working perfectly Hmm. and arguably the crystal skull is an example of, of why it shouldn't that, work. W- yeah, yeah. Because it should be cheesy. It should be yeah, just a flash-in-the-pan action film. Right, that's what they but, were going for. But it, it's not. It's this, it's this masterpiece. <laughs> um, so they're, like, in... In other films that we watch, and I'm sure a reoccurring theme, it's already happened in other episodes, it's going to keep happening, is we'll talk about the idea of coincidence. Hmm. And how you don't want coincidence driving plot. But this entire plot is coincidence. Mm -hmm. All of it is coincidence. He just so happens to show up right before the Nazis to meet uh, Marion. Right. He just so happens to uh, not be discovered digging until he finds the... Uh, the Ark. The Ark. He just so happens to dive into a tent to not be discovered that has Marion in it. Like, right. it's just it's just happenstance after... Ha- he just so happens to be walking around on the ship when the Nazis come on and he's able to hide. He just so happens to get into the submarine before yeah. it goes under. He just, it's just, just, you know, Marion just so happens to get thrown into the back of this hay van thing cart, which is yeah. just a stupid move. <laughs> so yeah, I was watching for the, the basket switch this time. Sorry, yeah. skipping ahead a bit. And I, I could not, see the moment where they like swapped out the baskets like it's filmed in such a way where you are definitely led to believe she's on that truck when it blows up yes i couldn't spot the switch like when they like you know they took her basket somewhere else or yeah i i it's i don't think it's filmed in such a way that you can spot it i think it's just like you 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 know it's she's lost when he goes into the market with the all the baskets I don't know. That's not when it happens. I think the idea is like they don't actually put the basket in that truck. No, the, no, 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 I, they don't. But like as the audience, like the camera and like our like us following that basket, that like the moment when he has to knock over all those baskets, that's like when we're the when the the bait and switch 
happens for the audience. Right. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Um. But anyway, it's it's a it's a plot completely built on coincidence. Yeah. To um, to that point, I mean, I think that there, like, you can't get away from that in in action films. Like, a certain fraction of it is is always going to be driven by coincidence of people just happening to be in the right place at the right time, according to the dictates of the script. Like, I, I think that just comes with the genre to be perfectly honest. You could, yeah, you could argue I that this, a, this movie has a, a higher quantity of that going on based on what you just said, but I don't, yes, I don't think you could can get away from that. Like, I mean, yeah, I could think of a number of other action movies where you could, you know, distill them down to a laundry list of, you know, it was coincidence that he was here at this exact moment to he- overhear this conversation or to... Well, yes, but I can think of a laundry list of bad films that we can talk about. We're, <laughs> no, I mean... We're, we're not arguing that there are bad films in existence. We're right. arguing whether or not this is one of them, which, of course, it isn't. Yeah, but, but... I, I don't think that, like, having a plot based on coincidence is in itself a bad thing. You know, I, I mean, that's I think that's a perfectly valid plot you know i mean look at um you know a comedy of errors you know if we're gonna go back to like something or <laughs> something older than film you know it's like you, you know you, you i think that you can like kind of suspend your disbelief for you know the duration of the story to be like okay yeah this is like just part and parcel of, of the genre I'm just gonna go with it coincidences that are bad for our heroes i think are easy to suspend our disbelief sure, right it's and we talked about this with duel or mm-hmm. i think it was duel no we were talking about saving private well, yeah because we were nitpicking like how he actually found private ryan oh um, like yes well this was too coincidental or the yeah 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 um but i think See, I think I think, I think it bothered situ- me there because the genre then was like a serious war film, whereas here it's meant to be a campy throwback right. action film. And I, your point about action films being being based on coincidence is is well taken. Um, I think that ideally, it's it should be a matter of the right people just happening to be there in the right time, but it's still dependent on something that this person does, you know? Obviously, James Bond has to be there when it's happening, or we don't have a story with James Bond. Yeah, Not that James Bond is a particularly great uh, literary (laughs) um, story, but, you know, if, if the character's not there, we don't have the story. But so I, you still want something, some choice, at least the illusion of choice that that right. character is making to be right. what's saving the day. And things like, oh, I have to hide from this person and, oh, look, I happened into Marion's tent, <laughs> yeah. um, doesn't have that, that satisfaction. Yeah. I think what you have here, and I'm like, totally completely shooting from the hip so i'm probably gonna like be misquoting stuff but i think like the more i think about this the more it's like this feels like a movie of man versus machine where the machine is is the nazis and so you have your protagonist is like he's you know always you know like most always like one step behind them like trying to thwart their efforts and failing most of the time like every step he takes they they catch up with him and you know undo the work he just did and so i think if you look at it from that perspective it's it's sort of highlighting his humanity as as a hero character he's not like you know an errol flynn kind of hero like they this is one area where they chose not to um you know completely just kind of ape what had been done before where you know the hero is this right clean shaven figure who you know always does exactly the right thing you know here you have a character who's constantly failing and messing up 
Um, you know, it gives him more of a, uh, a believable personality than someone who, you know, <clears throat> to be to be quite honest, like if if you're going to take like a realist stance at this story, you know, I think what you see Indiana Jones going through is probably about like what would plausibly, you know, happen to a person who's just, oh, I'm going to insert myself into this giant Nazi dig going on. Like, yeah, of course, that's not going to work. <laughs> of course they're gonna stop you you know right um which i think is a great segue into this wonderful character that um lawrence kasdan and spielberg and lucas created mm. um being the every man right um and i'm not sure if you knew about this or if you've looked at them, but there are transcriptions of the original story meetings between Lucas, uh, Spielberg, and Kasdan. Um, well, I, I knew that that was how, like, um, sequences in the film emerged. Like, they would just be in a room riffing and be like, yeah. oh, we need a giant boulder chase, and somebody wrote that down. Yes, um, and that was all recorded, um, for note-taking purposes, and it's been <clears throat> transcripted, uh, and it's online. Anyone can read it. Oh, um, cool. I we might link to it in the description of this podcast if we figure out how to do that. Um, <laughs> it's really cool, um, especially because Lucas and Spielberg both uh, have very much crafted a... Uh, not a veil necessarily, but they, they keep their cards close to their vest when talking to the media. They're not, you know, crazy about their personal lives. Sure. They're, they're, you know, very straight-laced. Um, whereas when you're brainstorming, it's a lot like stand-up comedy. You have mm-hmm. to just be able to... Anything's allowed, and we can say anything, and there's no dumb ideas. Um, so it's it's very interesting seeing them, you know, talk in that regard. Sure, yeah. And listening to well not listening but reading uh <laughs> george lucas saying okay here's the name for him and george interrupting not george uh steven interrupting saying i hate this i hate this <laughs> um before indiana smith comes in but anyway in those transcripts uh the first i it it's like a hundred pages or something uh like they're really long i have not read all of them mm-hmm. but uh the the first couple of pages are just talking about how you know we don't want this to be james bond we don't want this to yeah. be you know we want this to be a a, a a person who is really good at what he does but he's not a superhero he, right. he fails he he can be stopped and in that sense, like, uh, as I alluded to earlier, we just watch him fail and fail and fail. Yeah. But as we watch him fail, we also watch him as a person grow. Um, right. Which... Certainly we his relationship with Marion. Well, yeah, just, you know, to jump ahead... When, as as I was talking about earlier, he happens upon her in a tent, and she's tied up and held by bad men, mm-hmm. his response is, ah, if I save you, I'll know that I'm almost at the Ark, so just hang out for a little bit, I'm sure I'll come back later. Right. Um, and then... Versus the end of the movie... Yeah, where he says, I don't care about the arc, just give me the girl and we'll get out of here. Um, so so you see you see him, you know, change throughout, yeah. which is always enjoyable in a film. It's not a lot of fun to watch someone remain the same through sure. adversity. So. so yeah, opening set piece, then we <laughs> uh we jump to the uh, the university where we are introduced to the other side of uh, of his character Jones. I think this is like one of the great like character reveals like of all time. Really, is this the sudden switch from him as like you know grave robber, always filmed in shadow. Suddenly, we 
cut to him teaching at a university. It's yeah. like it's one of those like, oh, I, you know, I'm I'm surprised by this. I want to find out more about this guy kind of things. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, am I am I stealing your thunder? No. <laughs> I was just trying to think if I had anything to add to that, and I don't think I do. There's a really awkward moment when the male student leaves a uh, apple on the desk, and he like does not make any effort to talk to, smile, or look at Indy. <laughs> he just like walks up, slams the apple, and then like runs out. And you... you know that the extra just was like, I don't want to mess up. I was given this job to like. Okay, I'm just gonna do it, but it's it, like that. That character deserves a movie. I want to see that guy. I've never, never really actually noticed that. To be honest, that's that's funny. next time you watch, pay attention to Apple Student. Have you ever thought about like how painful it would be to write "Love You" on your eyelids? Yes, like yes, quite painful. And then the odds of him seeing that are are pretty low, right? <laughs> Oh, another coincidence so fun fact actually this was something else I, I learned on this this recent watch through is that the next scene after he meets with the government agents and, and Marcus meets him at his house later that night um, mm-hmm. Indy is in a bathrobe um, because there is a deleted scene I'm not sure if it was filmed yes yeah you you know about this that he was like courting a woman in his bedroom when when Marcus showed up Yes. Yeah. So I wonder if that was the the love you student. Well, knowing that ten years ago Marion and <laughs> Indiana had something, <laughs> and she's maybe twenty three, twenty four. Um, probably <laughs> he he probably would date a student so i mean i i think that it's good that that kind of stuff was downplayed i think that he would be a less likable character if they made a big deal out of that yes like he's certainly a womanizer throughout the films but he For sure. like but... they don't like you know play that up too much Yes, to the they, point where he wisely didn't yeah. steer too far into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, we're we're given the the plot device of hey, there's this artifact we need you to go and find by way of Nepal, mm-hmm. um, and he hops on a plane. And we have the iconic uh, map shot that has been spoofed <laughs> countless times. I wonder if they borrowed it from from like some serial. Oh yeah, I I don't uh, know. I honestly don't know. That'd yeah. be something interesting to um, for somebody else to look up. Fun fact that I do know about the map uh, is that. Uh, they fly over Thailand, mm-hmm. um, which in the uh, 1930s was not called Thailand. <laughs> so, ah, interesting. Oops. Fun, fun little uh, thing to make sure you're doing your research <laughs> when you're designing graphics. <laughs> oh, definitely doesn't take away from the story in any way, but no, fun fact. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> um, Unless you're a map so, nerd. I don't think anyone's going to notice that. That's so to talking, see that that seems like one of those things where it's like as a as a programmer you notice all the like insane like gobbledygook that that they have their technical characters say in movies and you're just right. saying they're fuming yeah. like that's not right that's not right. <laughs> and you're like, "Ah, yes, screenwriter. I see you went to Wikipedia and typed in code phrases." Right. Exactly. <laughs> Things programmers might say. <laughs> you researched memes it appears. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like if I were if I were in charge of a a big budget project like this, I would, you know, pay the intern like an extra you know whatever day's wage to go do proper research and not you know make gaffes like this but anyway um 
But, I mean, you assume, because remember, the screenplay is basically written in isolation, so you assume that the screenwriter has done due diligence yeah. and done the research, and if you don't know anything about Goat, yeah, that sounds like computer <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, you plug the Ethernet into the hard drive and fire up the RAM. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> uh so anyway we get to nepal and one thing that this movie consistently does just wonderfully uh is introduce characters oh yeah yeah and we we had this great introduction to who uh indiana jones was and now it's time to meet marion um and we're introduced to her having a drinking, drinking contest. contest with a man? Yeah. Woman? I'm pretty sure it's a tubby guy. Yeah. I, I'm never confident, but I think it's a man. <laughs> um, Every time I've watched it, I just assumed it was a fat guy. Okay. Apologies um, if this, if the person... <laughs> if it turns out it's a woman, <laughs> apologies. Um... <laughs> What a great but, thing to put in your resume, though. Like, you know, <laughs> I was that fat person who drank opposite Marion in the first Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, that, that's right there with astronauts being able to say, well, I've been to the moon to just win at any story when people start <laughs> one-upping. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was the one who lost the <laughs> drinking contest. Um, Can I just say, on a technical note, this was the first time I watched this and appreciated that that this whole scene is one long, unbroken shot. I never really thought about it before, but yeah, and like it's not a simple shot either. Like, there's a lot of camera movement going on, and that's why it works so well. Is the amount of coverage he gets? He it doesn't feel like a long shot because we go from a wide establishing both of them. Mm -hmm. We push in. To an insert of the shot glass, we then do a single on her as she drinks, and mm-hmm. then we whip over to a single on him as he drinks. So yeah. there's a lot of coverage. There's a lot of dynamic to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just does this wonderful job of saying, "This is this is who we're dealing with." A yeah. woman who runs her own bar um, can hold her own. They do a nice job of coming back to it later once yeah, she's captured. That's like something else I was going to mention is this movie is just so freaking economical like that they introduce this character trait of hers and then it becomes crucial to the plot later. Yeah. Um and we uh one thing that I always like to do is I like to pay attention to the f- any time, really. I was going to say the first time, but really any time we leave our hero completely. And a lot of films will never do that. Mm. Um, but it's it's interesting to see who the creative team thinks can control a scene enough mm. that we can have a scene without, without our the hero, hero. and yeah. not lose momentum and lose caring. Yeah, um, And most films, if you pay attention, it's the hero, and then we'll cut to the villain, the anti-hero, and mm-hmm. that's it. Um, so the fact that she controls this scene, runs this scene all on her own is is really cool. Um, yeah, for sure. So then, bar starts to clear out, Indiana Jones walks in, we get a, a lot, the cinematography in this oh, is yeah. just gorgeous so great i love this set this whole bar scene the way it's lit and everything yeah um gush 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 (laughs) yeah um i i love i love the um it's almost like a reverse of the searchers which is a john ford um Mm. and uh john wayne movie directed by john ford starring john wayne um, and the shot has been riffed on a million times, but mm-hmm. they 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 fill and something that 
they famously did with John Wayne was they would build uh, doorways that were smaller on one side of the set because when they were doing westerns they would basically build little towns usually. Mm -hmm. So one side of the street would have shorter doorways than normal and the other side would have bigger doorways than normal and whenever John Wayne was walking in they would use shorter doorways so that he would fill it out and look huge and whenever villains or bad guys they would always be in the big door frame so they'd be small compared to him. That's funny I didn't know that. So but anyway the searchers the last shot well it's not technically the last shot but the last scene in it is this doorway scene like silhouetted with the outside Mm-hmm. in front of us. Yeah, I've, uh, I think I've seen it. that shot. It's, it's famous. Um, this is the reverse of that. We're inside, we're looking inside, but then we fill the whole back wall with light and then the silhouette yeah. with the hat, and it's just, it's perfect. Um, he comes in, he tries to get the, uh, the headpiece, and mm-hmm. once again, in true Indiana Jones style, he fails. Yeah. Um, but not completely. There is hope. She says, come back tomorrow. Mm -hmm. He leaves. Um, and then creepy Nazis are introduced. I, (laughs) what is that guy's name even? Oh gosh. I, I did pick it out of the, the list of names this time, but then I forgot. Okay. something uh like, creepy uh creepy glasses coat man. hanger coat guy. hanger guy yeah uh, <laughs> shows up and does his creepy thing and then indiana jones just happens to decide to come back yeah but for... it's like it's the classic like you know giving him a little errol flynn moment like showing up at the at the last sure. po- possible second for sure but still it's it's a coincidence. Just just if we're he keeping was, track at he, home, hey, he this saw, is a coincidence. So look, he he walked outside, saw the Nazis coming. I'm gonna go hide in the bushes. <laughs> I think more likely he walked outside, walked down the street, said, "Wait a second, that was a girl who said no to Indiana Jones. No girl <laughs> says no to Indiana he Jones." Was like, oh, I left my Turns, wallet. <laughs> I left my wallet. <laughs> Did I remember to tip? I better go back. <laughs> Uh, right. Either that, so, or he realized that he was in the middle of Nepal and had nowhere else to go, and had forgotten to ask for a room <laughs> at the one. Yeah, like they don't—they uh, never like show an establishing shot of the rest of the town. So you just get this idea that this bar is just out in the middle of nowhere, like yeah, just surrounded. I, I very much picture it like on the side of a mountain, and like <laughs> this is the only building like for miles, right? So this next uh, set piece scene, um, what's always stood out to me about it is the lack of music in this, which I think is really interesting and effective. I think this is the only major scene in this film that doesn't have music. And I I couldn't tell you why they made that decision, but I think it's it's, it's very striking. um, And it certainly gives it a different vibe than every other, you know, See similar piece. similar sequence in the film, yeah. Yeah. The thing that this film does expertly is it never lets off the gas. Mm-hmm. Oh, or yeah. Or at least rarely lets off the gas. There's very few um, lulls here. And they do such a great job of building, because remember, this is based off of serials, so mm-hmm. the idea is cliffhangers. Right? Yeah, you right. Know, you right. have to leave it at a cliffhanger so that people will come back for the next one. Yeah. Um, but they do such a great job of this, okay, he's going to get run over by this boulder. Oh, you thought that was bad. Now he's surrounded by natives who are going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's in a bar fighting a bunch of Nazis. You think that's bad? Now the bar's on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You think that's bad? Now he's in a city and the entire city's trying to kill him. Yeah. You think that's bad? Yeah. No, now they do his a good job of like gradually like, raising the stakes. Yep. It's it's always bigger. It's always it's always one step up. Especially it's, it's like just skipping to the end, like from the well of the souls, like onward, like almost to the end of the movie. It's like relentless, like. 
the the set pieces are just like back to back literally yep yeah um and uh, again it's it's another one of those things like you said earlier like it shouldn't work but it does like i can right. think of another a number of other action movies that are just like set piece after set piece with no story as like connective tissues and those movies usually are like just they're terrible they're terrible they're they're a bore yeah. to watch but this one works for some reason it it works because it it it's lightning it yeah. just it ever by coincidence ironically it works <laughs> everything that needed to be there for it to work was there yeah you know right cast right director yep. right writer right everything um so uh a really cool um plot device here is the Nazi burning his hand on oh, yeah. the... Uh, on the medallion. The, on the medallion, which is just brilliant. And again, right? it's economical, too, because yeah. that becomes super important to the the next sequence of events that unfolds is that they don't have all the information they need. Um, so we do that, and then we head to Cairo, right? She... Uh, she comes outside after he's saved the day and says uh, my the money you gave me is burnt up you got more than <laughs> you bargained for you bargained for you got me um, and they head to Cairo so I just want to point out at this point we're at we got 15 minutes left if we want to keep this under an hour uh, Oof. <laughs> Oof. I know okay gonna so pick up the uh, pace here. so we have the weird monkey stuff. Fun fact with the monkey, uh, in order to get the Nazi salute by the monkey, uh, they had a uh, grape on a fishing line above the camera, and it took 50 takes to get him to <laughs> salute. That's, that's funny. Um, I, I had heard that that was uh, George Lucas's idea. Like, he, he was... Yeah, know. it's... They discuss it, and it grows. The, the monkey should have a backpack. He should have a turban. He should... <laughs> um, it, it is one of the things being discussed in those transcripts, mm-hmm. uh, which, again, are worth the read. It's a master class in brainstorming. Um, though it's hilarious how little Kasdan talks, which makes sense because I'm sure he's taking notes during all sure. of it to figure yeah. out, you know, what he wants what to What do write. these guys but even want? It's just, it's like the classic, what is a screenwriter compared to what is a director? And <laughs> the quiet guy who's just observing compared to the... And you can just imagine both... Uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg just on their feet constantly, like oh, acting yeah. out moments. Yeah, and... I would. That would have been so great to just be a fly on the wall. In oh that yeah, room. for sure. Um. Anyway, uh, I think we've got to talk about the the uh, infamous uh, sword fight. Oh yeah. Um, so the, infamously, the guy trained for three weeks for this yeah, big sword uh, fight, and then famously this. This three-week-long sword fight, um, both uh, Steven Spielberg and Harrison Ford claim credit for the idea of just shooting him. <laughs> um, they've been on panels together fairly recently where, like, they don't start arguing, but they said, I think I was the one that suggested it. <laughs> but one of them, because Harrison Ford... Uh, had food poisoning, was sick. Um, uh, he he said, "Well, why don't we just just shoot the sucker?" And uh, they were like, "Yeah, let's do it." I guess the guy um, that he trained for three weeks was was not happy about that decision. No, what I've heard his his the first take. <laughs> he apparently took about ten minutes to die. Um, he <laughs> dropped his sword, grabbed his stomach, rocked forward, backwards, <laughs> dropped to one knee, dropped to the next knee, you know, just, just super, super dramatic. And if you're familiar with the scene, what they wanted and what they ended up going with was this, yeah, you this know, quick he moment. shot, fall down and moving on, yeah. which is what you need for it to, to work. Yeah. Otherwise the, the, um, the joke doesn't work. So, uh, <laughs> supposedly... Uh, Harrison Ford said after that first take, he he went to <laughs> Spielberg and said, "Watch this," and 
when they called roll camera before they called action, he just pulled out his gun and fired so the guy wasn't ready and just reacted and fell down. <laughs> is supposedly what happened. Uh, that sounds a little Harrison Ford taking credit for uh, for everything that ever happens in movies, but uh, that's the that's the legend at least. So. Uh, I think we have to jump ahead to the Well of Souls. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, skip a bit to yeah, yeah. I don't I don't yeah, I mean we got to keep moving. <laughs> yeah. Uh So what well, yeah, what did you have something specific for this? For the Well of Souls, um just that I really really that like jokes aside, this is the only like moment that I'm like really how stupid is this guy? Um, <laughs> because of course they're going to notice you in your American cowboy hat standing on the hill <laughs> like two feet away from them. You're whistling for your men to get their attention to come up here. Like yeah, it, it's. Just such a why? But they had to get the cool shot of the sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I Um, I guess like all the Nazis went home. They just took a powder for the for the day. Just took a zero and and went home. (laughs) Um. So uh, we find the ark. Jones gets trapped in the well of souls. Uh, I don't like the uh, exiting to the airplane um, because that, that okay I, I will give you that one that that does feel slightly convenient given the it's this, super convenient the and stakes there's this that they've exposed set. piece of ruin right right next to the airfield that they didn't <laughs> start with as they were excav- excavating yeah, things right. like. It's no, it's, it's super, a little infuriating. Super there. convenient. I, I will give you that one. That one's a little um, like. But they make up for it with a really cool set piece of this plane fight. I mean, I two back to back. Like you got the plane fight, and then you got the truck chase right and after. And then this truck chase. So which I've never has a horse. <laughs> it's just got everything. I so we since we just recently watched Duel. This is my first time watching this scene in context of Duel. I felt like there were shades of duel in the truck chase scene because you got Indy driving the big black truck chasing the guys in the little car. Yeah. Ramming them. And then yeah. there, there were a couple, like, you know, money shots that I noticed were kind of similar where, you know, a vehicle would veer off the road and crash through some stuff. Um, anyway, I just thought that was it. I don't know that he was deliberately nodding to duel but it seemed more like a subconscious director thing where yeah he just happened to be shooting see, it the same way see his work building on itself yeah oh yeah um, and yeah and it was an improvement for sure over for sure we saw yeah. in duel and then um we successfully get back uh and yeah. we get on the ship Right. And then the ship is caught by Nazis. <laughs> and we end up uh, on this random little island. I don't know if we're ever told it's where the island is. It's in the Mediterranean somewhere. Yeah, some some Mediterranean so, island. So, quick question. How did he get inside the submarine before it uh, went they, down? They just left the, the hatch that, you know, would let water in and kill them all unlocked. That seems plausible, right? Well, and they never show the submarine submerging, so I guess you could say it stayed above water all the way to the it island. It did not stay above <laughs> water the whole time. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, it It is a little ridiculous that his brilliant plan was to jump onto the submarine and hope that he could open the one door in and out and no one would notice him <laughs> and hide right. until it got to wherever. But... I mean, you know, maybe he just held his breath. You're allowed one, I guess. <laughs> um, we never see the submarine go under. I'll just say that, that. Okay, so best case scenario, he's just an idiot and <laughs> got <Just> very lucky. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we... Uh, we get to this 
this island, mm-hmm. and uh, he gets a rocket-propelled grenade from somewhere thing, um, and gets up above everyone and calls out. Fun fact: that little uh, ravine cavern thing might look a little familiar to you guys uh, because it is the exact same location that R2-D2 meets Obi-Wan. Yeah. (laughs) I was wondering if it was from the... Well, because, yeah, both Star Wars 1 and and Indy 1 were both filmed in Tunisia. So, yeah, they're going to recycle locations. Exact same location. That's funny. The thing that always stands out to me about this scene is the bug flying into Belloc's mouth when he's talking. Yeah. That <laughs> is just, like, a funny thing that, like, I don't know if anyone noticed it in the editing room, but, like, they left it in. <laughs> you have to assume that they did. <laughs> like, either that was the only option for that coverage, yeah. or they were just like, this is funny, we're gonna leave it in. <laughs> hey, I would do that. Exactly. Like, I can't fault them for it. <laughs> the other thing that struck struck me about this scene, like, I don't know why I'd never really thought about this b- before, but just how bizarre this whole premise is, like, from a historical context, you know, given, like, how much the Nazis historically hated the Jews, that they would, you'd have this scene where they're, like, marching with this great biblical artifact right. carrying yeah. the, the the swastika it's just like it's such a strange sight to you know it's just yeah like i, I wonder if that that kind of irony was part of what they were going for with this scene yeah they they do nod at it a little bit yeah back in the tent mm-hmm. um he says something along the lines of uh I I don't like your your Jewish rituals or Oh yeah, I that was at the like... at the docking this where they docked the submarine he's talking about oh, that it guy. At yeah. the docking moment. There mm-hmm. there's there is some nods to that. But yes, it is a a very interesting juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Um Right. So we get yeah. to the big finale scene. So big finale, um should we talk about effects here? So uh, this this was nominated for uh, an Oscar for its effects. So I don't mind. I, I will just say I don't think the effects have aged well in this scene, like at all. Right. But I don't mind it for some reason. Like maybe that's familiarity. I, I I think that it's like I don't know. Yeah, it's it's probably just a mix of nostalgia and familiarity. Did it did it bug you this time? It doesn't bother me either. It it feels right for the film yeah but it's i don't know if you ever watched the bbc produced um uh chronicles of narnia Um, oh yes i have actually okay well there's uh during the uh killing of asland or whatever there's like spirits and it's the exact same like yeah. super imposed. Yeah, it's like it's these like wispy like 2D animated creatures yes. like kind of just <laughs> And painted. it always makes me think of that. Um but well, I was I was specifically thinking about the like the clay models being melted is like the part that may not So have... so on those um you've got to remember that PG-13 didn't exist yet. Right. Yeah, actually yeah, um, it was Temple of Doom that forced them to create the yes. PG-13 rating. Um and originally, uh, this was rated R. Yeah, because um, of Belloc's head exploding. Yes. And then they had to put the flame in front of it to get the PG. By putting flame in front of it, they were like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> we can we can leave the other two guys like just melting and seeing all the bone and blood and stuff. But head as long exploding. as there's fire as well as explosions, it's it's good. Right. <laughs> no one no one will be scarred by that. I always find it funny where the I mean, I'm I'm all for movie ratings and, and people like being warned up front what what the content right. is. But I always find it funny like where they arbitrarily draw their their boundaries for ratings. Like these days, like you're no joke. You're allowed a budget of f words. Yes. For yeah. for PG thirteen, you're allowed to say the f word twice, and if you go over that, then it's R, which just boggles my mind. Well, and so 
it's well documented and a lot of directors do this they'll cram all sorts of just ridiculously inappropriate things in knowing that they're going to cut them out mm-hmm. but if they send what they actually want as their cut to the um ratings mm. commission or whatever and they say well it's an r you've got too much language you've got too much blood or whatever it's an r so it's like, like uh, it's it's like a come down to like get exactly them, get it through. so they'll they'll so like, have, see isn't know, this much like, better full frontal nudity or something without any plan of keeping it in there but uh-huh. they'll be all like oh well okay we got rid of that scene mm-hmm. and then they're like well it's true they did make it better i guess it's lower <laughs> than it was so i guess it's not an r anymore right right um so yeah that's funny are just uh just an interesting thing Mm -hmm. so uh any comments on uh bureaucracy winning the day (laughs) how they uh chose to actually end it with the ark being stored away in a giant government warehouse i think it goes back to what we were saying earlier about his 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 journey being one of failure where he's just constantly thwarted every step of the way and you know you, you end up kind of feeling for him at the end yeah. Where whereas you might not have felt that way if he like you know got the girl, got the ark in a museum and everything's just happy. It's like you you know there's there's a lot more empathy in the way this is. Also, it's you like you come to hate those two government guys cuz they they they're all buddy buddy with them the first time <laughs> you see him and then they then they put the wall up at the end of the movie. Top, Top men. men. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised oh. we got all the way through this only quoted one line out of the movie. <laughs> the top men. So fun oh. fact, um, I'm yeah. currently, for for people listening to this, I'm currently in the process of moving. So most of my stuff is in boxes right now, and I commented the other day that my apartment is starting to look like the, the warehouse from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is boxes <laughs> stacked to the ceiling. We need to film a recreation. <laughs> Oh, actually, that reminds me. I, I wanted to plug, since we're talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, there is a fan film available where yes. you know this. I'm, I'm sure you're, you're aware of this. Yeah. Where these kids uh, recreated the entirety of the first Indiana Jones film. And, shot and for shot. It shot for shot, like, yeah, nearly like a perfect shot for shot recreation. And yeah. like to, in this day and age, that's not that impressive because we live in the YouTube era. But this this one I'm talking about was done in the 80s with no, you know, none of the conveniences well, that we have. It today. was started in the 80s. It started. No. Yeah. Yeah. So they started in 82, the year after Raiders came out. And then they these this group of kids would get together every summer and film more of the movie. And it took them like the that, the whole decade to finish it. They shot everything except for the plane scene. And then I think, like, a few years ago, they, like, kickstarted a thing. Yeah, it, I, it was, like, 2012 or something. Yeah. It, it was very recent that they actually finished they, it. They reunited to, to film the plane scene as adults and, and finish their recreation. Anyway, this is available to, to watch if, if you're into fan films and that sort of thing. Like, you can get this on DVD and enjoy it. Yeah. I, I have a copy of it. I've, I've enjoyed it It's immensely. definitely worth the uh, watch. It's definitely a love letter to this film. If you like this film, you'll probably enjoy oh, yeah. it. There's also a uh, really good documentary mm-hmm. about the process of them doing that. Yeah. Um, called... I think it's just called Raiders. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, and I know a while ago it was on Netflix. It might not be anymore, mm-hmm. but you should check that out as well. Yeah. Okay, so does this go to the desert island with you? Ooh. You know, I think I would be happy if I had this as my only movie to watch on a desert island. I think I, if I paced myself and didn't, you know, gave myself breaks, I could see this being like my one movie <laughs> to yeah. keep me company. Uh, I I think this goes. I think this is can hold up to multiple watches oh yeah i mean it already has like i i I think i was like 11 or 12 the first time i watched this and i've i've periodically you know my love of this film is not diminished over time yep cool well so we're gonna round off our month of spielberg with ai 
is the last AI one on our list. Is up next. Yeah. So we got and a nice little sampling. Hopefully that'll be uh, with Brennan. Hopefully. <laughs> we love you, Brennan. So, uh, yeah. Look forward to that. Thanks for uh, potting with me, Elliot. Yeah, it was fun. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye.